Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. I was a little bit, I guess, nervous when Pastor Tony asked me to cover him for this Sunday. I'm a, I'm a yes girl, so I always say yes when he asks. I love the opportunity to share God's word, but uh, there was this little tiny bit inside of me that was like, you've got to be kidding me <laughs> right now, because if you knew, and a lot of you don't, because I'm up here and I smile every Sunday, but I've just been through and I'm still kind of coming up out of a really, really difficult season. And so for the timing of it is impeccable, <laughs> but I thought, really, God, are you serious? But, um, you know, I don't really believe in irony. I just think that God has sort of a really keen sense of humor, and he knows just when to push us and poke us and maybe sometimes nudge us in the right direction, that he knows that we can, we can do things, but we need his help. And I think that's exactly what he's showing me and probably showing most of us in the room right now is that we don't have to have it all together for him to use us. Amen? And so we're just going to give God the glory for whatever happens in this room. So I'm telling you right now, it's not because of Sammy. <laughs> this is all coming from the Lord. Our sermon's title um, this morning is Put Down Your Net. And I'm coming up out of kind of an empty net sort of a season. And I'm going to get to that here in a few moments and speak and speak on that, but I'm so excited to give the opportunity for us to have our nets filled this morning. But before we do, can you join me in prayer? Father God, you are so amazing. You are holy. There's no one like you. And we just want to invite you to move in this place this morning. We want to invite the Holy Spirit to move and to speak upon our hearts, God. I pray that you would open our eyes and ears to hear and to see whatever it is that you want us to hear and see this morning. I pray that you would use me as a vessel to speak your word, Lord, that you would let, the, let your words pour out of my mouth. But most of all, I know that one whisper from you is worth more than a thousand words elsewhere. So God, I pray that you would whisper and move upon all of our hearts of what you have for us to do in this next season. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Did you know that we were designed for purpose? From the very, very beginning, God made us for having a purpose and a calling. And this started right away in the garden. God created Adam and he breathed life into him and he gave him a mission right away, immediately. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of make you work for it this morning. If you can get your Bibles out, whether it's digital or paper copy, I want you to go ahead and flip to Genesis 2.15, and we're going to read about how God designed us to have a purpose and a mission in life. And so Genesis 2.15 says this. It says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. And so again, he didn't just create the Garden of Eden for Adam to have like this vacation spot, right? And it was blissful. It was perfect. He was literally, it was God and man together walking every single day. 
but it wasn't just a, you know, kind of like, oh, whatever you feel like today. No, God on purpose gave Adam a mission and a task because we're wired for having a purpose and a mission in life, right? We all get up in the morning because we have something that we have to do that day. We're wired for purpose. And so that's exactly what he did. This is the first example that we see in scripture where God gave Adam and gave one of his creations a job, a purpose, a task. And it was to work and watch over the garden. But it doesn't end there. We're going to jump down to verse 19 that says, Then the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. I love that God let Adam be a part of this process of creation. Having a purpose is a gift that God has given us. And we don't know how long it took for Adam to do this, but I think it's such a beautiful picture of what it would have felt like for Adam to wake up every single day just being completely in the presence of God and walking with him. And for God to say, come here, son, I want you to sit right here. And he brings forth, Adam didn't even have to go out and find him. He said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to parade these animals in front of you, and then you get to call them. You get to name them. Did you know God really could have done this himself? God could have just said, here, sit down, boy. I'm going to teach you something. This is the elephant, and this is the bear. But no, he wanted to teach his, his newly formed creation of a man that he could be creative too. And he wanted to invite him into that process of creativity and empower him to do so even. And so he let Adam be a part of that process and as we all know, as the chapter unfolds, sin enters into the picture, and unfortunately, everything changed. Purpose was very quickly, in the snap of a finger, transformed into labor. Creativity and that process of being able to just create was temporary loss to just survival. We're going to flip down to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. And it says, and he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. For you are dust and you will return to dust. And I think this is the very start of the battle, which we're going to talk about this morning, between purpose and work. Humanity now, instead of just striving to have that fulfillment and, and accomplishment of a purpose, now it's just that they have to labor for everything, their, their lives, their survival, and for their games for their gains. Everything had to now be about labor. I'm going to show an image up here. The media team's going to put up a picture of something called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Anybody take high school psychology? <laughs> you might remember. I can't really remember how to do simple math, and I've learned that by, by having a fifth grader. I'm totally not smarter than a fifth grader. Um, 
But I remember this. <laughs> I remember this very distinctly and always, I've never forgotten it because I think it's fascinating and it rings true. I don't know a lot about Maslow. I can't really tell you what else he did, but I, I've always remembered this pyramid that you'll see on the screen. And basically it outlines how humans process priorities of life and survival. I know the words are very small. I'm not a super PowerPoint Jesus or um, a super, super PowerPoint genius, but um, I'm going to try to walk us through what this pyramid looks like. Basically, it starts at the bottom, which we see our physiological needs. When we have our physiological needs like food, water, warmth, and rest, that's kind of where we start. And at that bottom, that's probably what I would call survival mode. And it's only when we have those very basic needs met that we're able to kind of move up to the second tier, which is our safety, worrying about security and shelter. And when all of those needs are met on top of our physiological needs, that's when we move into our belonging and love needs, which is thinking about intimate relationships and having friends. And from there, we can actually move up and start to attempt to have the bandwidth to think about our esteem needs, which is things like prestige and success and feelings of accomplishment or getting things done, right? And then we reach the very tippity top, which is probably the hardest to achieve for most of us. I'm sure it's not just for me, which is called self-actualization. Self-actualization is when you're able to achieve one's fullest potential, including creative activities. And I think Maslow really has a point here because this, God started out creation at the very tippity top of that pyramid. Adam and Eve were able to operate in such fullness with God up in that upper tier of that pyramid because 100% of all of their other needs were taken care of. Is that right? All their needs were met. They were just able to walk with God every single day and they were able to create and they were able to live this fulfilled life doing exactly what they were called to do without sin being in the picture. But disobedience and sin came at such a great cost because they were bumped from the very top of that pyramid as far as what they were able to process. Bumped from the top all the way down to the very bottom in survival mode. Has anyone ever felt like they've been in survival mode before? <laughs> Hands are up. I see you, I hear you, I, I'm there. <laughs> and I think what we need to talk about today is rest a little bit, just for a few minutes. Because when we enter into that survival mode, which oddly enough, rest is listed at the bottom. That's one of our physiological needs. Did you know that um, sleep deprivation is a form of torture? Yeah, it's true. When we enter into that kind of survival mode and we neglect rest, that's when we get burned out, completely burned out, and we lose our fire that lives on the inside. So we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of the Sabbath and why God created it in the first place. You know, God created the Sabbath for relationship. And then man made it about rules, regulations, and restrictions. And then now we just resist it altogether. Our modern culture is terrible about resting because we equate success with productivity and doing all the things all the time 
And that's how we feel good about ourselves is when we, we're accomplishing things and we're checking things off the box and we're, and we're feeling, and I'll say, listen, this is for our modern culture, but sometimes it's often within the church. And I'm, again, like Pastor Tony says, it's not just about our church, it's about the big C church, the church at large, right? We like to fill our schedules with all kinds of things and then we wonder why we're burned out. All the programs, all the, th- all the time, nonstop. And I'm there. I'm at that place, I've been at that place in this last season where we have forgotten about rest and why God designed it. You see, it's not, it's not just about self-care. We talk a lot about self-care right now or taking a nap. Naps are glorious. I love taking a nap, but that's not really necessarily what I'm talking about when, when we look at the Sabbath and resting. It's more about setting aside the time to maintain that relationship with God. That's what the Sabbath was created for. Man tried to make it all about, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. And if you do this on the Sabbath, it's, all, it's, it's sin and, and we, can't, we don't want to do it wrong. We don't want to do the Sabbath wrong. No, no, no. That's not what he made it for. We need to stop putting the rules and regulations on it. We need to stop resisting it. We need to remember it. We just need to spend time with God. Have you ever played a game with someone who's just really obsessed with all the rules and then it's not a good time? Right? (laughs) That was my kid. (laughs) When you get so worried about obeying and all the rules, all the rules, all the rules. No, God, that's not what God intended it for. He just wanted to be able to rest and to play and to be with our kids. That's what it's all about. And so we need, as a culture, as a church, as a people, we need to remember that how important it is to rest. And so if you've ever been in, like, the survival fix-it mode, can you raise your hand for me? And if you're too, maybe some of you are so burned out, you're like, I can't raise my hand. Just nod your head. <laughs> right? God never meant for you to work yourself to death. That was never part of his original plan. And that wasn't his design because we saw what his design was originally intended for in the garden. And that's why he said to Adam and Eve, don't eat the fruit. Don't do it. He wanted to maintain that kind of relationship with his kids. He wanted to be able to continue walking with them. He wanted them to be at the top of that tier, just pursuing creativity and purpose and the reason for their being. We're living out the consequence of that. And we do have to work really hard. This isn't a message that's just condoning condoning sloth or laziness. There's a lot in the Proverbs about how godly and honorable it is to work really hard. Yeah, so you, you see the difference? I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard. We should work hard. We should, we should work for the, the sweat of our brow. We should do everything we can to provide for our families. But I think the main point of my message this morning, we're talking about putting down our nets, is allowing him to help us. And not just completely all the time trying to do everything on our own. Amen? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be vulnerable for a few minutes. Is that okay? I'm going to share a little bit about the current season that I've been in. And I'll spare you all the gory details or we'll never get to lunch. But in this last season, there's been a lot of things that kind of, I've kind of felt like the rug got pulled out from under me a little bit. Ever since I was a little girl, I've always very much, re- I guess, really honored the idea of having a purpose. It's been really, really important to me that I continue to chase purpose. 
And there's been opportunities that have come up in the past that I've, I've said no to certain jobs, certain things, because I didn't see how it aligned with what I thought my purpose was. And that actually makes me look really foolish, I'm sure, to some people at times, because, well, you got to do what you got to do. And I'd be like, I know, but I don't think it aligns with my purpose, <laughs> right? And I've had to learn a lot of lessons, really, really hard life lessons because of that. There's been a lot of sacrifice because of me prioritizing my, my, what I believe is my God-given purpose for that. I've had to learn lessons in obedience, in patience, in humility, struggle, very many disappointments, even regret, and then mostly perseverance and pushing through. And the one thread that has held me together through all of it was hope. Because even when I couldn't see my purpose coming through, or it was always just kind of in this vision that I had, I just have always had the hope that it was going to work out, that God had a plan. My strongest spiritual gift, according to all the spiritual gifts tests that I've ever taken, have told me that my strongest spiritual gift is faith. I just have always had this sense that things were going to work out, even to the point that it made me look foolish. I believe God had a plan and that good things are coming, and if I just keep believing, it's going to happen, right? So after several decades of dreams and prophetic words and revelations from Scripture and then confirmation upon confirmation from not just family and friends, pastors, mentors, and even sometimes perfect strangers that would speak over me, everything was all saying the same thing. And so I really, really believed it, that I must be called for something really special. I know that I have a purpose. I just have to wait on the timing and believe and try to align my steps and trust God that he'll lead me to it. But then 2022 happened. And it didn't really start out right. Pretty much within the first week of 22, a lot of things just started to happen. My trip that I've been looking forward to for such a long time, it's been delayed for a year. Some of you know about my trip going to Israel. That, I found out, was delayed for a whole year. And I'm not that patient of a person. And I was so excited to go. So that was part of it. There was a lot of disappointments. There were a lot of opportunities that looked like they were just about ready to get right in front of my face, and then they disappeared. God seemed really silent. Things broke. And then because they broke, we had to go into more debt. And so because we had to go into more debt, then our bills increased. And then because the bills increased, I had to pick up more work. 13, 14-hour days for most of the week which is a big change of a schedule for our family, and it was really rough on them, and it was really rough on me. And mostly I reacted out of fear to try to fix it myself. Well, if I just work harder, I can fix this. I can fix it. And all my hope in that very moment was gone from all that, that I had believed about before that was spoken over me and the dreams and all that. All of that hope was gone. I went from reaching to the top of that, I was just trying to crawl my way to the top of that pyramid, and I was knocked down into survival mode in an instant. And there was a lot of things going through my head over the last few months, but one of the things I kept thinking about was, am I being punished for something that I did? And I, I, I would cry out to God, and I would pray and I, I didn't really even know what to say. I would just say, I'm so sorry if I've done something to deserve that. And can I tell you in this room, if you're hearing that voice, that's not from God. 
If you're feeling like, I must deserve this, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all on the cross. The things that you're going through, there's consequences to our choices and our actions, yes. But you're not being punished. You're not being sent to a corner. Amen? So that's why when I was asked to preach today, a few weeks back, I thought, you must be kidding me. (laughs) Because I don't feel like I have all the stars on my chart right now. I didn't do everything the way that a really spiritual person would have handled these kind of struggles. Can I just be honest with you? I complained a lot. God bless my husband for putting up with me and my kids and my parents and basically everyone who was around to listen to me because I just kept complaining. And you know how the Israelites and they circled around for 40 years when they could have got there in a couple weeks because they complained. Like, I know all of that, but I still complained. My prayer life, which at one point was pretty strong, I would get up in the morning to still just try to try to fight to have my time with the Lord, and I would find myself just sitting on the couch in a silent stare because I didn't know what to say. I'd lost all hope. I had to fight to read a paragraph of the Bible or even just one verse some days, and some days I just I would look at it and I couldn't even open my Bible. And this is the girl that comes up here on stage and smiles in front of you because I do love being here. But I just want to tell you that your leaders are going through stuff too. Can we remember to pray for our leadership? I'm not a pastor, but I know when you come up on a platform or go anywhere for that matter and you're preaching the gospel, you have a little bit of a target on your back. We all as Christians actually have a little bit of a target on our back, let's be honest. But those who are really going out and trying to do the ministry and the work of God, we need to remember to pray. Because they're going through things too, and they're dealing with things that you may never know about. But through that time in this darkest part of this season, and I'll try to wrap this up because I really want to get into my passage. But I knew that Jesus was there. I knew that he never left. He was quiet. But I knew that he was there. And there was this one moment where I went up into my tub just to try to take a bath and kind of just be on my own because I knew, girl, women, we need to cry sometimes. And sometimes we don't want anybody to see it. And I was having one of those moments where I just needed to release that. So I went up and I took a bath. And I was just mourning these disappointments. And as I was crying, I I heard the voice of God say, I mourn with you, Sammy. I'm sad about it, too. Did you know that his heart aches when ours does? Because he's a good father. Amen? And my tribe that God has blessed me with, my friends, my family, they were tried and true, and they stayed by me, and they prayed, and they encouraged me, and they reminded me, and they were patient with me. And even in this dark season, God sent me new friends. And I'll be honest, my, my new, and I think some of them are watching online right now. They know who they are. But God sent them to me at just the right moment. And I'm so grateful. Every season changes. And some are short and some are long. But they do change. 
and I can feel the shift. Pastor Corey was talking about the shift. There's a shift happening, and I'm going to prophesy into the atmosphere this morning because I believe that we're at this very, very start. Can you feel it in the air? I felt it in the air this morning, especially while I was worshiping. If you've been in trials and tribulations like this within the last few months, I want to tell you it's starting to change. The season is going to change. And hope is still here. And even if you're hanging on to this one thread left of hope, I'm going to tell you, don't let go of it. And if you're going to hold on to one thread, let it be the hem of his garment. All right, enough about me. <laughs> Let's talk about Peter. Peter is one of my very favorite disciples because he always was saying things that he shouldn't have. And he was stubborn and he was not perfect, but oh, how God used him. Can you turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11? And it's quite a text, and I'm going to kind of break it up into parts, but I'll read it aloud for you. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little far from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, Simon's also Peter, We've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. I'm going to pause here. You know how I like to break things up. Why was Peter fishing all night long? Have you ever thought about that? Why was he fishing all night long? Like, I, I've read this story hundreds of times throughout my whole life, and that never really struck me until recently. Why was he out all night long? Knowing his personality, this probably was not like a party. It wasn't a yacht party. He wasn't bored. I think most fishermen do not do this unless they are really desperate. Peter needed a catch for some reason. We don't know all the details. Really, Scripture doesn't provide all that background context. But what we do know is that while he should have been resting, he was working. Isn't that interesting? He was working overtime, and he needed a miracle. And we don't know exactly why, but why else would we, why else do we work? Has anyone ever really literally worked through the night when you weren't on your shift? Because there's just so much else to do and you're trying to catch up. That's what Peter was doing. But he kept the whole entire night, he came up empty-handed. His nets were empty. Catch after catch after catch. There was nothing. And all his sweat, blood, and tears and hard work went into this, and he had nothing to show for it. And I'm sure he was frustrated and tired. So I'm going to continue reading. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's fishing partners. Don't be afraid, Simon, Jesus said. From now on, you will be catching people. And then they brought the boats to the land 
left everything and followed him. I'm actually going to have a clip play here in just a few moments. My family and I have been watching the Chosen series. If you have not watched this, can I encourage you, go home, make a family event of it, like pop some popcorn and just sit and watch it. It's free. There's an app. If you have questions about that, come find me after service and I'll let you know. But um, I think, I believe it's also on like different streaming services and things, but you should watch this series. It's incredible. And I'm going to... Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of background context because, again, we don't really know why Peter was fishing all night. But what the director of this series presumed was that it's possible he could have had a debt to pay. And so that's kind of, that was kind of brought into their, into their context of this story. So, again, we don't know that for sure. But what you're about to see is that Peter is trying to get this catch. He's out all night because if he doesn't pay this debt, the Romans are going to take him away but the very next morning and put him in prison because he owed it to them. So I'm gonna ask our media team to play this very first clip. Cast after cast. I will make your descendants as many as the stars in the heavens. And then what, huh? chosen as many as the stars only to let Egypt enslave us for generations bring us out of Egypt part the Red Sea only to let us wander in the desert for 40 years give us the land only to let us be exiled in Babylon bring us back only to be crushed by Rome. This is the God I've served so faithfully my entire life. You're the God I'm supposed to thank. You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you enjoy yanking us around like goats and can't decide whether we're chosen or not. Which one is it? Talking to? There'd be no one. <laughs> Has anyone ever talked to God like that? <laughs> if we're honest. When you're tired and you're exhausted and you've worked and worked and worked and you felt like you've forgotten about, that's how he was feeling in that. And I think that was that was a, a bold thing that he said. But sometimes that's the kind of stuff that we feel. And doing things without asking for his help and then wondering why he's not helping you, <laughs> that's interesting too. So we're going to see the turnaround of what happens for Peter. So we're going to go ahead and play the second clip. that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. We've been doing this all night. Nothing. Mm. 
That gets me every time. Two things I love most about that clip is, first of all, how his friends ran towards his miracle. If you don't have friends like that, you need to get some. Better yet, be that friend. Instead of living out in competition, run towards your friend's miracle. And I'm so blessed to have friends that will do that for me and family that will do that for me. And the second thing I love about that clip is the look on Jesus' face. Did you see that? I know that's just an actor. I get it. But I think he really nailed it. Because did you know that the Lord gets a kick out of blessing you? He's not obligated. He loves to do it. He wants to help you. And it's not about prosperity gospel. It's not about everything being perfect and wonderful all the time. But... Because we know Peter went on to have a lot of trials and struggles, and he wasn't perfect. But it was about relationship. And you can continue to work all night without him and come up empty-handed or allow him to get into your boat and fill your nets. Pride is sometimes this pesky little thing, yes? And it's a really tough habit to break. And many of you that might be struggling with that is because you haven't had a lot of help from other people. So you've had to pick up the extra and you've had to do it yourself and bust your rear end. But I'm telling you today, God doesn't want you to leave the same way. He wants you to leave knowing that he will and is ready and able to do more than help you. He's ready to fill your net if you would just put it down. And so there's two ways that God is asking you to put down your nets. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. There's people in this room that can identify with maybe one, of, one out of two of these groups. And I'm going to invite you up. And this is going to be an open altar invitation for you to come. But the first group is just like Peter, having to learn how to trust Jesus and learn to put down his net into the water that was an act of teacher jesus teaching him how to trust him there might be a miracle that you really need and you just need your net to be filled 
if that's you here in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to come forward, and we're going to believe that with you, that if you just would put down your net one more time and allow him to fill it for you this time, we're going to give you the opportunity to come up here and do that. But there's another group. This group, you've already seen the faithfulness of God time and time and time again. He's filled your nets to overflow, and yet then you've put down your net again when you're in need, and he's filled it. You know about the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You've walked with him a, a little while. But now he's asking you to literally put down your net and follow him and do whatever it was that he's asked you to do and be obedient because he wants to take you deeper and farther into his glory. Did you know that Peter was the only disciple to walk on water? And I believe he did that because he had this deeper trust of Jesus because I believe Peter was the only disciple that we know of in scripture that had this kind of supernatural miracle happen when Jesus called him in to follow him. Peter trusted Jesus and then he put down his net and followed him. Peter was also one of three disciples that got to follow Jesus up to the Mount of Transfiguration where literally the glory of God fell upon that mountain and made Jesus's face shine with glory. Peter got to see that because he got to go deeper into glory because he followed the call that Jesus had on his life and trusted him. He was also the one that Jesus said, you are the rock upon which I'm going to build my church. Do you know that we're here because Peter built the church and was obedient because he trusted Jesus? He wants to do this for you too, church. He wants you to trust him. And so, if you're ready and able to, I'd like for you to stand because we're gonna close in worship. But if you find yourself in one of those two groups this morning where you need to trust Jesus with something and you've been casting and casting and casting your net out upon the water and you're tired and you're frustrated and you need him to fill it, I'm gonna ask you to come on up here right now. Make your way up to the front. And if you're a part of that group where you've already seen him fill it many, many times, but you've been a little bit afraid of doing the next step and following him, I'm gonna invite you forward for you to just put down your net and allow him to take you deeper and deeper and deeper into his glory. And we're gonna worship in this song one more time. And I will rest in promises my confidence is your faithfulness and I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness 